X-ray. This show is sponsored by Get Your Money Together Bootcamp. Oh My Dollar's immersive online course that covers step-by-step everything you need to know to craft your money plan, including fun, approachable videos and worksheets. To sign up and get started conquering your money, head to bootcamp.omydollar.com. Use code PODCAST for 15% off. Welcome to Oh My Dollar, a personal finance show with a dash of glitter. Dealing with money can be scary and stressful. Here we give practical, friendly advice about money that helps you tackle the financial overwhelm. I'm your host, Lillian Carebake. And I'm another host, Will. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk about money. One of our first questions um, actually came from listener Paul, who him and his wife are considering spending a year abroad working um, while they're their kid is still before elementary school aged. And he had a question about if he was still going to have to pay taxes in the States, if he was also paying taxes abroad. Um, And this is actually, I think, you know, this probably doesn't apply to most people, but it's kind of interesting to talk about. Uh, But I'll keep it fairly brief. So essentially, you are required to pay both taxes in the country that you're in and in the U.S., unless you have a what is called a tax home somewhere else, which means that you're actively paying taxes. And this is the most important thing. You cannot be in the U.S. for more than 35 days in a given year. So you have to spend 330 days outside of the U.S. in order to qualify for what's called the foreign income tax exclusion. I feel like I could get a lot done in 35 days in the States per year. Yeah. But the important thing to remember is that it's it's cumulative. So if you just come to the States for two days and leave and then you come for another 10 days and then you leave and then, you know, you come around the holidays for another 25. Yeah. This is my international jet setter way of life. Exactly. <laughs> um, but if you were to do that and you lived abroad, even if you're just in Canada, right, and you drive over to Detroit, every single day adds up to those days. So you have to be outside the U.S. for 330 days. And the IRS is specific enough that they actually tell you, like, what time you need to be on the plane for a day to count to be outside the U.S. So it's like as specific as if you board a plane at like 11 p.m. in the States, then you can't count that day or if, you know, any number of things. So wow. um, it's very specific. And and this is one of those areas, you know, normally I say the IRS is very specific, but as long as you're doing things in good faith, um, they aren't doing a lot of audits. And if you're at the income level where you're listening to the show, I'm going to suspect that you're not a high at high risk for an audit. I don't think Trump listens to the show. Uh, but unfortunately, you are putting yourself at high risk for an audit if you file for this exemption, because obviously the IRS isn't getting your money. So suddenly they're very interested in the idea of, well, are you are you legally? So you are at high audit risk if you file this, regardless of anything else. No, let's not get into corporate tax law, but I think I've heard the, the, the phrase tax home used in the context of Apple's taxes in Ireland. Yeah. Um, and tax home is is essentially a, a it's a fairly simple concept, which is where are you considered to truly be a resident? Um, and this is also true with corporations. Oh, OK. Um, where are you considered to be a resident? And that's not physical residency. That's tax home as opposed to regular home, which physical residency can take into account. Um, but there's a number of reasons why a company like Apple that, you know, we ostensibly think is headquartered in, in California uh, would have their tax home in Ireland. And it, there's a lot of things that you need to do to set that up. 
kind of the simple personal version of it is like, yes, you must be paying taxes in another country and you need to have like your financial majority of your financial obligations and your accounts and everything in, in that, that country. country. OK, yeah. so, so so these so the person who asked this question, I'm assuming, is not a multibillion dollar corporation. So how might this impact a, a regular human being? Um, a regular human being just needs to extensively plan for this. This is one of those cases where if you are really going to do this for a year, it is worth the money to talk to a CPA that has experience in expats. Hmm. Um, and they're totally going to be worth their money because if you save 4000 or $7,000 on taxes for $500 of a CPA's time, totally going to be worth it. The most important thing, though, is that you need to find someone who's experienced with expats. A regular CPA, as much as you might like them and they might be your sister-in-law, if they don't have experience with working with um, people that have foreign tax homes, they're going to have no freaking idea what they're doing. Um, it's even better if they speak the language or are even better experienced in the country where you're going to be. Like Germany has a lot of rules and regulations that can prevent you from making your tax home there. Um, and I know that because I used to live in Berlin. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if and the German accounting system is very complicated. And so finding someone that's experienced with that is um, definitely worth the time. I do think that you could do enough internet research to walk away fairly confident without a CPA. But if you're considering something as expensive and time consuming as moving abroad for a year, a CPA is worth your time. Our next question comes from Mike, who's entertaining a couple of different job offers. And he wants to know what sort of benefits he can have, what sort of benefits he should negotiate for and what he should look for. Uh, Any advice for uh, job applicants? Yeah. Um, so this is this is one of the things that I want folks to understand when they're job hunting is that you have the most negotiating power when you are in the hiring process. You have more then to get really big benefits to your overall salary and benefits package than you will at any other point in time. Um, you know, you're more likely to get an incremental jump if you do a raise or if you get a promotion, then the huge win that you can get when you're negotiating. I totally understand job hunting can be super discouraging. So especially if you've been unemployed for a while, you can really be tempted to just be like, oh, God, I'll just take anything. Yep, just give me a job. (laughs) Um, But, you know, just like budgeting, a clear, cool head to kind of think about your own priorities in your life will help you with figuring out a way to negotiate. There is a bunch of things that you can negotiate for that can be great benefits to you that don't actually cost the company any money that you just have to know to ask for. Um, So a couple of these things are um, work from home or flex time arrangements. Mm -hmm. Getting those in writing when you start is really great. Being able to say, hey, I get every other Friday off if I work for tens. Or, um, you know, I can always work from home every Monday or something like that. This is particularly great if you have family obligations where that flex time is going to be incredibly valuable to you. Um, Vacation time. A lot of people think it's non-negotiable. But unless it's a public sector job, usually there is a lot of flexibility. Um, One thing I do want to say is a lot of people look at this new trend of doing unlimited vacation time. Have you heard these? I've, I've, I've seen that phrase thrown around. And it sounds really sexy and great, right? I, I just picture myself being paid and like lying around and drinking drinking tiki drinks. Um, I would actually really <laughs> recommend 
trying to shy away from companies that do unlimited vacation time. And that's because unless the corporate culture is such where they actually encourage taking that vacation time, there's a couple places that actually pay you to take vacation, which is totally nuts. Mm-hmm. Like on top of your salary, they pay you to actually schedule a vacation. Um, I think, yeah, I know. That was what I was imagining. <laughs> yeah. Uh, th- I, and that's because these unlimited vacation time policies, this is actually an accounting trick for them because they are legally required to pay you out your vacation upon separation as long as it was done under the right terms, like you mm-hmm. gave the right amount of notice. And um, and so people were kind of accruing them and then getting cashed out huge amounts of vacation when they left. And so vaca- unlimited vacation time can't legally accrue because it has no value. Oh, so, so when you're leaving a job with unlimited vacation time, you don't have the same opportunity to cash in your unused days. Yeah, exactly. Um, and <laughs> and that can be, you know, what if you're leaving that job because it totally burnt you out and there was no there was unlimited vacation time, but you never were able to take it on your team. Um, so I actually recommend... You know, it might not be an option to negotiate away from unlimited vacation time, but I actually would recommend looking for a job where they have a clear vacation policy in writing as opposed to this unlimited, because I think that that is can be a thing that can really um, hang around your neck. Gym memberships is something or a commuter benefit, um, either a transit or a bike commuter benefit Mm -hmm. or paid parking. These are all tax free benefits for them. So if you're working for a private sector company that pays taxes, um, providing these is totally tax free to them. So and it can be a huge benefit for you. You know, if you're paying for parking downtown, that's one hundred fifty two hundred dollars a month. Oh, yeah. Or even those uh, TriMet passes add up quickly. Yeah, exactly. Um, And, you know, they don't have to pay for your entire TriMet pass. They could pay for a portion of it. And that's still a huge benefit to you, mm-hmm. right? A hundred dollars a month is a significant portion yeah. of a lot of folks' budget. So having them pay for sixty percent of that, that could really free up some money. Um, uh, if you can't negotiate for more pay, uh, you know, they just say, "Hey, the salary band is set." Whatever, whatever yeah. negotiating they use. One of the things you can ask for is an early review. And what an early review does is essentially say, oh, okay, your normal review is six months in or a year in. Um, And usually reviews are your opportunity to ask for a raise if you're doing a good job. So you can say, hey, can I get an accelerated review timeline? Can I get reviewed at nine months instead of a year? Um, And this could potentially give you the benefit to get a raise early and demonstrate uh, demonstrate how good you've been doing at the job. You oh, know, okay. No, it, that's, that's an It could be a double-edged thought. sword it's... if you do a terrible job at uh, jo- the job, but right, let's get, assume get, that you're get, not. Get kicked out three months earlier than you would have otherwise. But yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and if you have kids, um, childcare can be something that you can negotiate for. Um, sometimes, depending on how large the firm is, they may have a place affiliated with them that they can like... You know, a simple benefit could be letting you skip the wait list. The, mm-hmm, there mm-hmm. is a lot of things that um, they could really help with. Or, you know, if you do have to wait for a wait list for childcare near your office, you could ask for them to pay the difference in cost that it's going to be for six months or something like that. Or for the first three months while I wait to get in on the wait list, can I show up at work at 10 a.m. because I'm going to have to commute farther to drop my kid off. Yeah, like, huh. um, There's a lot of creative things that you can do that are based on your circumstances that really don't cost them. Right. And believe me, even beyond the salary, like you're saying, it seems like there's a lot of ways you can ask for different benefits. Exactly. You know um, to ask for them. So it really seems like, too, with the tax plans and then with the less... Uh, less quantifiable benefits you really just kind of got to do some number crunching and look at your values and figure out which job makes the most sense yeah exactly and it's okay to not necessarily take the best compensation package if it's going to give you 
closer to the life you want, right? Right. Like, oh, yeah. Money's goal is to let you live your life in a way that you want. Like, I harp on this all the time on the show. Um, and so if you're taking a pay cut, but it's giving you flex time to spend time with your family or your kids or work on a side project or, you know, whatever is your core value, um, if you're going to have to work every Saturday, but you've traditionally always volunteered at your temple on a Saturday mm-hmm. and you don't want to give that up, like it might not be worth the extra money to you. Um, right. No, so, I see what you're saying. You're right. Yeah. In, the, in that money is a way to get the quality of life you're after. So remember, just like always, <laughs> values are an important part of this. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I hope that helps, Mike. Um, those are Those are kind of the overarching ones that I can think of. Yeah. The way you get to work. How your kids are cared for while you're at work. Mm-hmm. How you, how much time you get to spend away from work. What happens when you're done working there? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and what happens when you're done working there? Exactly. I think we have a guest by phone. Yeah. This is Kelsey. Hi, Kelsey. It's Lillian. Uh, so my name's Kelsey. I'm in Portland. Um, I. I originally was a preschool teacher and then a family advocate, and now I work for the state as a family coach. And I'm here because I paid off my student loans early. That's so awesome! Yay! (laughs) Um, Yeah, so what made you decide to kind of... Because you paid these off far before they were do right you so you right, you put money yeah. above and beyond your minimum payments what made you decide to do that um well initially i had just paid like a hundred dollars over each i had taken out two for a total of fifteen thousand um trying to get it down and that's the most i could do um and then i also on top of my my day job i nanny overnight about once a week and so i just had that income literally go directly to my student loans he just got the password and and would go in and (laughs) and um hope pay down that way um which got it paid ahead about i think it ended up being eight or nine thousand dollars that it was paid ahead when it closed out that's awesome so that's probably several years early yeah that's awesome. So what's your advice to someone that hears this and goes like, oh, man, I want to do that. I want to, you know, I want to pick up a second job and, and knock this out to get myself in shape. What's your advice to them? Um, just get creative as far as what what would work for them. It can be, you know, I, I just went down to two jobs. I used to work all sorts of side jobs and extra nannying and all sorts of stuff and wasn't home much. And so that was a big trade-off to be able to to kind of lose some of that that time at home and that downtime, especially because my most recent job was a very, very stressful one. Um, so it, it sounds silly, but like the self-care that you need to do if you're, if you're always working, if you buckle down for a year or two and just um, try to get out of the way as soon as possible, also trying to make sure that you, you know, get sleep and, <laughs> yeah, that's super important. and, you know, take some time. Yep. Yep. Being debt free kind of sucks if you're just totally passed out. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that's definitely, definitely how it was for a little bit for me, but I've, I've found my balance um, the past several months. So it's been really nice. That's so awesome. Well, thank you so much for the time, Kelsey, and for the great work that you're doing every day. Yeah. Congratulations. All right. Well, thank you very much. All right. Have a good one. You too. 
Well, that was a great note to end on. Um, we would love to hear your money stories, uh, you know, what big goals you've accomplished. So feel free to write in to uh, podcast at ohmydollar.com or just hashtag us, hashtag money wins on the internet and we will find you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that wraps our show for today. I think that's a great note to end on. Our producer is Will Romy. Our intro music is by Aaron Parecki. And I'm Lillian Carbake, your personal finance educator and host. Thanks for listening. Until next time, remember to manage your money so it doesn't manage you. If you got the money, I've got the time. We'll go honky-tonkin' and we'll have a time. Bring along your Cadillac, leave more wreck behind.